newspaper yeah true we're uh we're we're live we're not live this will not be <laughs> brought to you this live. won't be live well we're beside my bed uh, uh beside my closet um where the clothes can catch our uh sounds of our voices so that it kind of sounds like we're in like a professional studio but <laughs> no we're actually drinking a beer on the carpeted floor it's actually a a parkside cherry cider oh Shout out fuck to me eh our friend kiki yeah Sorry, I, I fully, uh, I, I slept on this name. We are not sponsored by Brickworks Cider House. No, we're not, but we're sponsored by Kiki Sakota. That, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, honey. To our very special sponsor. Okay, so you might notice the, uh, voice you're hearing, um, that isn't mine is, uh, maybe a little unfamiliar. Um, it's not Kate, if you haven't already guessed. Um, we have a, uh, we have a guest co-host this week, um, Please, uh, it's like I'm at a live show. Please give a warm welcome to Molly Anderson. <laughs> Wah! Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, Molly is uh, the director of Fair Path Forward. Communications for... <laughs> Communications director. Oh, but is it Clean Prosperity anymore? Yes, it's Clean oh. Prosperity, but our campaign is called Fair Path Forward. But I thought there was... Wait, there's another one too, though. Put a price on Put it. A price. What's that? What's I don't know. We got our fingers in a lot of pies. Tell us how, like, tell us about, oh, and also she happens to be my oldest friend. Yes, we've been friends since we were small, tiny babies. Yeah, um, since the womb. Since the womb, <laughs> truly. Um, so, tell us about um, those three, those two organizations and the Fair Path Forward campaign. Give us a breakdown. Sure, okay, yes. Yeah. So, Canadians for Clean Prosperity is a think tank, an advocacy organization that advocates for carbon pricing in Canada. It's been operational for about, I don't know, you would know as well as I, like five years? Since five, 2000 five and years now? 2013, uh, 2014. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so I've been there since 2015. 15, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I used to work there. there was, Tara was also there. She got me the job, so thanks. Um, she, you really, you're like my, my launch pad for this career. And no, then, um, not even. No, for real. Um, and then Put a Price on It Canada is a sort of specific campaign that branches off of that, which gets young people who tend to be more excited and galvanated galvanized about the climate jesus I i'm super galvanated right I'm now so galvanized. um really galvanized about the climate change issue we're trying to get like students on campus to be a little bit more organized in their efforts to promote the policy um and then fair path forward is our specific effort which is targeted in ontario right now to talk about carbon pricing and specifically about the federal government's backstop and rebate program because Doug Ford eliminated the cap-and-trade program. Mm -hmm. We love Doug Ford on this podcast. Yeah, just so we're clear, love him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10 premier so 10 far. 10 out of 10. Definitely my favorite premier of my lifetime. Um, <laughs> he looks like gout personified. Whoa! Yes! Am I allowed to exactly say? exactly what he looks 
looks like. I know, right? If you Google gout, you just get a picture of Doug Ford. Did you just seriously ask if you're allowed to say if Doug Ford is gout personified on this podcast? Seriously. I'm used to being, You've like... listened to enough episodes where you know anything goes. That's true. Literally anything. I'm just... Ra- I'm used to being raped more severely. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yes. Anyway, no, I don't... Doug Ford sucks, and uh, he's bad, and don't vote for him again. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the 905 right now... Yeah. Anyway, Listen up. So our job is specifically sort of targeting messaging at people in the 905, particularly um, women who are moms, um, and sort of talking to them about the importance of addressing climate change as, you know, in a policy fashion, mm-hmm. and also just like keeping it salient in the minds of Ontarians so that it doesn't fall off the table in terms of when they're considering who to vote for, mm-hmm. how they should vote. Nice. Yeah. It's important stuff. I... I hope so. According to me. <laughs> um, it depends on what news source you read. Yeah, that's true, eh? Yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you for being here and for filling Kate's very large but also small shoes. I think her feet are, like, size She has. Six. She's a tiny she's human. She's a tiny human. Yeah. Um, Kate's in Cuba. Um, jealous, but I can't, you know, really say anything because I also went on a hot vacation this year. Lucky me. That's true. You just got back. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Kate's, um, Kate's away and Molly's, uh, filling her big little shoes and, um, we're going to talk about, uh, the climate this week. It's the only thing I know how to talk about. Unlike Kate, who knows about a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we picked it. No, but seriously, for real, for real. Um, before we get started, um, I just wanted to say thanks to our patrons, um, uh, for this month, uh, we've got, uh, Hold on here. Um, I don't want to become a patron because I already. Well, I, am I a patron if I do the project? You know. Yeah, I, I mean, think... I think you're investing in it. If yeah. <laughs> Time is money, folks. Time it's called is money. sweat equity, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not. I'm just not gonna name them because I can't get their names. It's okay because it's literally Susan Delacourt and your mom. <laughs> Are you for real? Yeah. Oh my god, my mom. God bless her. What a peanut. I know. And I think Brett. She's investing. Um, yeah, she is. Um, so thanks to our patrons. Um, if you decide as you hear this very quality piece of audio that you dis- that you that you would like to become a patron, um, you can donate as little as a dollar a month at www.patreon.com slash undecided pod. Now on to the pod. Alright, so as usual we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get started with a bit of news. Um, and I like almost don't want to talk about this topic because I just feel like it's been so beaten with a hammer in so many ways, but I'm sure if you have, like, if you even have, you know, heard the news in passing for the last month, you've heard about this SNC-Lavalin stuff um, with the former Attorney General, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, we'll give you a Coles Notes now, just so you can have, like, some of the facts, you can make your own decisions, or you can do some of your own directed reading from some of these bits and pieces. The coliest of notes. The coliest. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. All right, so, um, so SNC-Lavalin is a construction slash procurement company that gets a lot of government contracts. They do things like the light rail in Ottawa, like big projects like that. 
Mm-hmm. And they did something illegal that's related to Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. It doesn't really matter <laughs> what they did. <laughs> Sorry, um, I shouldn't laugh. Uh, there was bribing. Um, but anyway, all you know, all you need to know is that it was illegal. If you want to know more about it, you can look it up. It's it, it, you just need to know that it was illegal objectively. They did, they did a they did a crime. They did. <laughs> You know, Did like you a, s- you know, like a crime. <laughs> crime time. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, um, and, uh, yeah, so you just need to know this illegal. And, um, there basically was two ways they could go about being prosecuted. The first way was that they could go to trial, which would essentially force them to have to fire their 9,000 Canadian employees, 3,500 of which are in Quebec, which is important for later. Um, and they would either have to do this because their value would drop significantly or and or they would be convicted of this illegal thing, um, which would not allow them to get government contracts for 10 years. Or so the other option would be that they could pay a large fine and basically go on business as usual doing their thing yeah doing their doing their corrupt thing <laughs> as one does because <laughs> the because it they they are like not um strangers to like corruption the like former ceo is like on house arrest right now <laughs> because he i don't know like a couple years ago he did something else fucking shitty so you ever seen goodfellas <laughs> yeah that's it that's it <laughs> that's it um, cool. Uh, so, <laughs> so then, um, so, okay, so we've got that. Yeah. And then you've got the justice minister, or former justice minister and attorney general, Jody Wilson-Raybould, um, says that the Trudeau government told her that they would prefer it if SNC-Lavalin had to pay the fine. In other words, like, had to do the second thing and not be, um, prosecuted um, in order to stop the Canadian jobs from being lost Um, and specifically the Quebec jobs she says that the Trudeau government told her because Trudeau is an MP in Quebec this turned into a argument basically in a nutshell of he said she said for the last two months Mm -hmm. like it's been, you know, uh, like hearings and like <laughs> a lot of CPAC. Yeah, uh, press conferences. Don't know if you guys watch CPAC. Yeah, CPAC. Anyone? Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> um, Michael Wernick was there. <laughs> and um, it's really, uh, um, it's basically become increasingly difficult to understand amid the inordinate amount of ne- media coverage on this issue. Like really, um, like what the actual facts are on this, which is why we felt the need to, like, talk about it. Because essentially, like, I feel like all that people know at this point is, like, there's a scandal and and Trudeau is involved. That's all they know. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's kind of, like, um, a lot more nuanced than that, essentially. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that... Hmm. I'm trying to think of how to put this. Do you guys remember the robocalls... <laughs> yeah. Sometimes scandals happen. Yeah. And you're like, I don't even really know what anybody <laughs> or, did. Or like the senator, like the senator scandal. When we, <laughs> we both worked at the Senate. Okay, no, we can't go deeper into that. <laughs> yes. But you know, basically, like, um, like you know, these- scandals happen, and they can be confusing. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, it doesn't sound like anyone did anything illegal. And this is like, it seems like one of those cases. Yeah. So I feel like there's two things you should probably know that we have not discussed yet. That's the it. first thing is that Wilson Raybould was shuffled from her justice minister position in December to Veterans Affairs 
Um, and it was only after this shuffle that she began to make a public deal of this, and not in September when she said the the pressure was allegedly applied. Um, and whether or not that pressure was inappropriate, I think, is like another uh, you know kind of element of this because. Um, basically, as far as I understand it, from a legal perspective, and I really don't want to get much more into the weeds on it than this, um, Trudeau has, like, or Trudeau or people that are around him are allowed to tell the Attorney General that they would like to see something yeah. happen, but they're not allowed to di- to um, to say, you must do this or else. Yeah, they, can't, they can't, like, threaten. Yeah, or um, pressure her with, like, or, like, like, you know, blackmail her or whatever. Yeah. Blackmail is also illegal. Yeah, like, no, obviously. <laughs> you can't, like, pressure her under duress. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a really good point. And I think the other thing is that, like, that's worth noting is that, um, obviously, there will be disagreement between the PMO and senior ministers about the right courses of action to yeah. take. And those conversations happen all the time. Yeah, and it's a go- actually good that they happen. And it's good that they happen, um, and it doesn't mean that the government is threatening somebody's job mm-hmm. because they're not doing what they mm-hmm. suggested. It's sort of just like an ongoing conversation that will happen when somebody's a very active minister on a file. So yeah. That's my input. Yeah, and then I guess like the last thing is that amid all this like um alleged scandal talk, the uh Prime Minister's senior political advisor Jerry Butts resigned um amid all this stuff. Um but like because he was like a named he was a named person in all of this Mm. um but he maintains and so does the rest of the pmo basically and the prime minister that like this was not an inappropriate uh amount of pressure uh the prime minister actually apologized and like basically was like oh shit like we we kind of we should have handled this differently like sorry but like I didn't ever tell her you must do this or else. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the upshot of all this? Because like it's all very complicated, and also like <clears throat> it's really like who do you believe? Like honestly, um, at this point, um, governments do do things like this. They bail out companies um, that that they think are going to like when jobs are going to be lost. They they do this. Uh, doesn't make it right or good, but that does happen. Um, um, and. As long as the prime minister didn't threaten Wilson Raybould or pressure her, um, they basically didn't do anything wrong. Um, mm-hmm. As long as they didn't do that and weren't, as I, who knows? Like I really don't know. Um, I guess, and it, I feel like the other upshot of this is like just the media are like having a heyday. Like it's all over the news. It's like top of the fucking like like headlines and like i'm like who the fuck cares like i know i literally i'm like i'm so fucking tired i like know more about this woman than i ever <laughs> than i ever wanted, wanted to know. know damn that's so dark yeah no i was i was talking about it um the other day a, <laughs> this is a really funny thing to say the person that i know who is a pollster oh yeah and um not the one you think a different there's one. a couple of them <laughs> <laughs> and he was like yeah i know that based on our research like the sort of optics of it are like canadian it's not really on most canadians radar yeah like it's a very much a bubble issue so i yeah. think that like obviously um it could be leveraged against the liberals in the upcoming campaign mm-hmm. um as long as like if the conservatives sort of toe that line of like oh they're corrupt mm-hmm. they're you know classic mm-hmm. liberal whatever mm-hmm. um 
but outside of that, I think the the more the understanding of the actual issue grows and the more nuance you introduce into the conversation, the more people actually understand that it's kind of not that big of a deal. Yeah. So like if, you know, um, I'm sure I'm sure this will continue to develop. But if you become confused at any point, you can refer back to what we've said today yeah. and use that as a jumping off point to start to do your own research yeah. and develop your own thoughts about this and not necessarily like what CBC or whoever uh, the fuck, you know. Yeah. Um, says <laughs> because they also like write I, when I was doing research for this like I could not fucking understand anything any of these fucking news outlets wrote it they, they like write oh as God, though you have like this like they write as though you have a like base knowledge of like mm-hmm. what a deferred prosecution agreement is and I'm oh like God, I, I don't know. fucking know what that I'm is I'm in a group chat with two lawyers shout out oh. to the Jody Arias call <laughs> <laughs> and um like every time a news story breaks that's about a vibe. this <laughs> yeah that's, I'm probably gonna get them both in trouble um and every time a news story breaks about this I just like message them and I'm like guys I have no idea what any of this means help so like help my pulls. my only other like upshot yeah that I just thought of is that like this is one of those things where I totally understand why it would, like, make people feel jaded about the government mm-hmm. or make people have, like, questions or concerns about the government. Or maybe and I, politics generally. Or honestly. politics generally, like, you know, because it's it's certainly not, like, a it's not a liberal-specific thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To do these kinds of things. Um, but I guess, like, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of federal politics because mm-hmm. we have an election coming up. And I think it's, like, going to be a moment of reckoning for people where they say, like, okay do I do I care more about this than I care about a candidate who I don't think really gives a shit about climate change or, or a whole insert or, social know, issue here first nations people yeah. or I'll, like like I don't feel confident that Andrew Shear is the kind of leader that I want yeah for this country so like obviously it's not great to like lose confidence in your current government yeah but, like that was sort of my big takeaway from it was I'll be interested right. to see how it like impacts the way people think about the federal election mm-hmm. and, and like maybe they were counting on the liberals to win and now they're more likely to be like okay maybe I, I need to think about this more seriously like yeah whose values reflect mine yeah that's so true actually that's a really good point and I think super relevant to like what we're trying to do here yeah because ultimately um you know I hate, I hate, I hate even, like, having to offer this, um, really, because it sucks, but it's kind of the reality, like, which, I mean, the lesser evil is maybe, like, too far, mm-hmm. you know, on the, to, 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 it's, it's too far to say which one is the lesser evil, but, like, if you, if, you know, uh, it, not all political parties are gonna, like, encapsulate all of your views, maybe, or maybe they will, actually, who knows, <laughs> um, but, like, it's often, like, the case where, you know, you have to go with, like, it's often the case where, like, one party that you, like, agree with, like, kind of, is, like, you know, uh, kind of, you know, at, at a similar standing with another party that you don't really agree with. And even though there's a third party that you, like, think is, you know, like, the best party, but you're, like, there's no chance of them but winning. That, that party you have is to... just a <laughs> clusterfuck. <laughs> I'm not talking about any Me specific neither. situation. What? I've never would ever talk about that. Um, but yeah, anyway. Nor I. Uh, basically, uh, I hate that I have to like say something like, you know, go with the lesser evil. But like, if you really, th- you, if you want to make your vote count. Actually, yeah. I honestly don't know if this is advice I should be giving. Don't listen to anything I say. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to exercise your civic duty. Yeah. 
That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, okay, yeah, actually, that's great. Perfect nutshell. That's it. Okay, um, so let's move on from this, because I literally don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what else happened this week, Malls? Talk to us about the uh, carbon rebate program, which I think is actually a good thing that this government has done, and pretty I exciting. Agree. It's a very spicy thing this government spicy. has done. So oh. essentially, there are four... So a while ago, you might remember, the federal government said... You guys have until 2018 to come up with your own carbon pricing plans, provinces, and if you don't, we're going to do something about it. <laughs> they didn't really specify Talk what. about political pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so essentially Manitoba, Saskatchewan, New Brunswick, and Ontario, thank you, Doug Ford, did not <laughs> decide to go with the program. So this year... Um, coming into effect beginning April 1st, uh, the federal government put in place a backstop program that puts a carbon price in all of those provinces. Uh, it is mandatory. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. There's been some court challenges. It's a whole other kettle of fish. We don't really have time to get into it, but we did talk about the Ontario court challenge a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, perfect. So. Yeah, exactly. So you're good. You're good as gold. Yeah. We're covered. <laughs> also, we have all the good guys on our side, like the Canadian medical health professionals. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, how do you, how can you fucking, like, and argue like, with that? Co- like, some farmers and stuff. Anyway, so, like, <laughs> let's, yeah, I'm trying not to make this overly casual. But essentially, yeah, so the idea is that, like, in these provinces where the backstop is applied, 90% of the revenue is rebated to uh, households in that province, and 10% goes to a dedicated fund that's designed to support small businesses. If you live in rural areas, so outside of, like, a census metropolitan area, you get a 10% top-up on your rebate, which a lot of people don't know, and that's, like, a good thing to know when you're filing if you, like... If you live in a rural area, if you, well, you get more money. Yeah, like, and so as defined, like, <laughs> plug time, if you go to canadiansforcleanprosperity.com.ca, <laughs> I should say. Um, Where are we, in the fucking U.S.? What are we, in the United States of America? <laughs> what are you, crazy? Um, You can find out what your census metropolitan area... Actually, you know what? I can just tell you. If you live outside oh, of... Girl. Here we oh, go. She's got the it's going to be like an auctioneer. She's got a... Uh, Winnipeg, <laughs> Moncton, St. John, Barrie, Belleville, Brantford, Greater Sudbury, Guelph, Hamilton, Kingston, Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, London, Oshawa, Ontario, <laughs> part of Ottawa, Gatineau, Random. I guess that means Ottawa, uh, Peterborough, St. Catharines, Niagara, Thunder Bay, Toronto, Windsor, Saskatoon, or Regina. If you live in any of those cities, you don't qualify for the 10% top-up, but you still get a rebate. And if you don't, and you live in one of those provinces, you do. Holy shit. Okay, so wait, Molly, pause here, though. Yes. For those of us who are like, what's a rebate, and how do I get it? Uh, like, Like, what is a rebate? So when you file your taxes... If you're like me, you do it on, like, simpletax.com. Hell yeah. Plug for simpletax.com. <laughs> it's free. It's great. TurboTax, also pretty good. You can go to H&R Block. That's what my um, hu- friend of mine did recently. <laughs> and a human at H&R Block was like, hey, have you heard about your carbon rebate? So essentially, great. you are eligible for this if you are 18 years of age or older, if you... Most of us, I'm going to guess, are single adults. So I'm going to tell you this Mm -hmm. because it's a millennial podcast. Yeah. That's just kind of what most of us are. Well, we include Gen Gen Z, too, I think. I think Gen Z listens to this. That's true. Gen Z. Hello. 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 No, they're 18 or older, though. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah, cool. So if you're a single adult in Ontario, you can expect to get 154 bucks. New Brunswick, 128 Manitoba, 170 And Saskatchewan, 305 because you're a resource emitting producing uh, oh thank you saskatchewan yeah and that's great that's like for uh, all those other places it's like groceries yeah households get even more so the idea is that the rebate will actually end up being more than what you pay in direct and indirect costs for the carbon price because it also takes the money that is uh levied from businesses and corporations and Mm. contributes that to the pool that gets returned to households and small businesses so it's um it's a good system. Okay. So and if you want to file, there's a line item. It's four four nine on your taxes, mm-hmm. um, and essentially you just claim it the way that you would claim any other kind of uh, tax refund that you're able to claim. That's great. Yeah. Um, one question uh, that should be, uh, we kind of have to rewind a bit, but I know. like, wh- why do we need a rebate, or why might one need a rebate, Molly? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think your next question was, what is carbon pricing? And I'm going to tell you, this will feed right very well into this sort of conversation. Mm -hmm. Putting a price on carbon. (laughs) Talk to us about that. I'm trying to find the most like cozy notesy way of describing it. But essentially, like the reason you put a price on carbon is because right now producing things that create carbon emissions, which contribute to climate change, like is free. There's no price associated with polluting the air with greenhouse gases, which are the things that contribute to climate change. Right. So goods and products and services that emit more carbon currently are cheaper than goods that emit less carbon because emitting less carbon is more expensive than emitting more. Can you give us an example of what kind of good uh, is like a more carbon emitting like like gas? Yeah, I think, yeah, gasoline would, would be one. Um, I think, like, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example. Like, something that requires more petroleum to produce would be a product that has a ton of plastic packaging. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Or a product that is energy inefficient. So a light bulb that drains a ton of energy from your house will over time be more expensive than an LED bulb. Or even a product, I guess, because of the gas price that had to travel far yeah. to get to your, like grocery store yes, or whatever yeah exactly okay. that's exactly okay. it yeah so Thanks. like you're yeah i mean yes <laughs> <laughs> because because of the gas yes yeah yeah that's a little bit more complicated but yes essentially so the idea is that like right now it is not there is no cost associated with the negative impact of polluting the air right and so when you create things that are better for the environment, they take more effort to create, they take more innovation to create, and the demand right now is lower for them. So there's they require like fancy solar power or whatever or something. Yeah, it's more just like the recycled goods. The the margin between what you can sell them for and the cost to produce them is smaller okay. right now because okay. the demand isn't quite there mm-hmm. for these kinds of products. Okay. Um And so the idea is, if you apply a price to emitting carbon, um, things that are bad for the environment become more expensive than things that are good for the environment. Sounds good to me, honestly. Well, it's a way of investing in things that are better for the environment, and it's a way of investing in innovation. So you say, okay, this carbon tax exists in Ontario, which means that, frankly, um, my electricity bill is going to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. Because... 
you know, electricity is fuel or it's produced using fuel, Mm -hmm. some part of the mix anyway, and that fuel is going to be taxed. Right. So that means, okay, you look at your bill and you say, this is more expensive. What can I do to change my behavior? So that's where the rebate piece comes in. Right. Which is that, like, things will inevitably... Things that you typically bought in the past will be more expensive. And there's Mm -hmm. always going to be a transition period between things being more expensive and other things becoming less expensive. Mm -hmm. Like, you might want to invest over time in a nest, for example, because that allows you to control the temperature of your home. You mean, like, sticks and twigs? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm literally, like, plugging the nest. Um, No, I'm just kidding. But the the nest is a great way to use your carbon rebate. You heard it here first. No, but, like, okay, so you can control the temperature of your home from outside of your home, which means you'll probably save a ton of money but you wouldn't think to do that unless there was an incentive for you to do that and the carbon price is like that incentive it basically just says like if you make these changes in your life you save more money Mm -hmm. and the rebate is designed so that like in that sort of intervening period where people are adjusting to the increased cost of things they get money back and they're not suffering as a result of this price right and necessarily it's a two-step process So, like, you get the rebate in your tax refund and you have that extra money and you Mm -hmm. know what it's for. Mm -hmm. Um, And ideally, I mean, we have all kinds of ideas for, like, places you might be able to store it or things you might be able to use it for. But ultimately, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea is just that, like, we don't want to set Canadians back or make them worse off. Mm -hmm. We just want them to go to the grocery store and be able to see the impact of climate change on the price tags of things. Right. And that's what carbon pricing does. Cool. Yeah. Great. Wait. Is that a good explanation? That's a great explanation. <laughs> and so okay. um, tell us, like, just briefly, like, what does the government putting a price on carbon look like? Like, are they charging, like, are they taxing gas? Like, what's how does that, like, je- like briefly, like, how does that work? Like, why is it going to be more expensive? What they do is um, it's you are taxed per the amount that you emit okay and so if you emit like for every number of tons of carbon that you emit Mm -hmm. you are taxed for that do you know how they measure that i don't know the science of it is it it, is that for like big companies yeah okay okay it's for big companies okay um but so what ends up happening (laughs) is that those prices do get passed down to consumers. Of course, yeah, because they it makes it's more expensive for them to produce the fuel or whatever it is. For sure, but not only and then like and then obviously like at uh, home heating and at the gas pumps, like how much you emit while driving or how much you emit while heating your home, those things are specifically taxed as well. Right. So you'll see carbon pricing as a line item on your bills for your home heating bill. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Or your business heating bill or whatever. Right. It is. Um, And then at cars, it sort of gets passed down to the pump. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that, like, yes, they do get passed down to the consumers. And obviously your heating bill is is one place where you'll see that price. Um, One of the really neat things that Hydro, Toronto Hydro at least, is doing right now is it's suggesting a suite of ways that you can reduce your carbon footprint um, or increase your the efficiency of your home. I burp while I talk now. I'm disgusting. Blah, I love that. <laughs> John Mulaney. <laughs> thank you. And so, thank you, John Mulaney, <laughs> our Lord and Savior. Um, bread is God. And bread God of is... God is bread. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anyway, wow, we were in a serious conversation on that. Woo! Uh, yeah, so. Uh, what is Toronto Hydro suggesting? What is the suite? 
they just sort of suggest that you like make sure that you run you don't run your appliances during peak hours make sure you turn off all your light like very easy things like don't run your ac or your heating with a window open like there's there's a lot of things that you can do to sort of increase the efficiency of your home you can also install um high efficiency appliances right or you can install led bulbs right and those are all things that a rebate can help you purchase purchase eventually and you'll save money over time the more green you make your life which is sort of the idea and ultimately if you are able you can buy an ev because they're on track to become as affordable as regular cars by 2020 an electric vehicle. An electric vehicle, yes, sorry. Um, and <laughs> For us non-jargon Sorry, people. sorry, sorry. <laughs> An electric vehicle. So, like, everyone thinks, like, oh, I have to buy a Tesla. I can't afford that. But, like, there's also, there's a ton of, like... Hybrid and electric. Hybrid and electric cars that are super affordable, as affordable as regular sedans. Although n- nobody that listens to this podcast is ever going to be able to afford a car so dark. <laughs> Just ride your bike. <laughs> Ride your bike to Vancouver. No. Anyway. None of us will ever get the jobs. We'll, we'll all be working at Starbucks. Jesus Christ. Okay, uh-huh. wait. So, yeah. So, so anyway, the point is that's sort of where you'll see the impacts of carbon pricing. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And uh, then the other, the other thing I want to say is that, like, obviously the costs do get passed down to consumers. But one of the important things about that worth knowing is that, like, Businesses are always trying to find ways to solve mo- to save money. Right. And people that I've talked to have been, like, typically pretty concerned that, like, businesses don't care about mm-hmm. costs and that they're just, like, willing to charge more and more for consumers. But there's competition in the market. And right. competition drives innovation. So and if the price of pollution is more, yeah. it'll be necessarily less expensive to produce whatever you're like selling yeah uh, exactly i mean if at you, a green with a greener exactly way. and that's the okay. idea it's like it's it's going to be less expensive to produce things in a way that is less impactful on the environment and to produce things that are less harmful to the environment over time right. like if you look at gm for example they're focusing most of their r d right now on developing electric vehicles nice. because they can just see the way that the world is moving right that's yeah. encouraging at least I mean, I, I mean, you know, for someone that like wakes up every day and is like, oh, it's only twenty more years until I burn in a fiery death. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. great. I'm like, I love this. <laughs> I have nightmares about tsunamis every single day. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess the last question is, um, what? Um, and this is like totally factors into like what you were just talking about. But like, what are other pollution reduction strategies like? Carbon pricing is one of them and probably, like, the most impactful, you might say. But, like, um, what are other ways that one or companies or governments can reduce pollution? List them off like you did earlier today. Like I did earlier today. Um, Okay. I mean, I think there's a ton of ways. Um, Uh, You can invest in electrifying the grid and public transit. So Mm -hmm. um, right now in Toronto, the King Street car, for example, is run entirely on, like, electric power which mm-hmm. is very thank exciting. you bombardier even though you were so late you were so late you were you're so late you were late Cancel. thank you jennifer keys matter queen oh my god God bless her she we interviewed her for this podcast and she did. was so She's sweet such a queen. shout out to jennifer keys matt who honestly like should be the mayor but anyway. if you're listening to this i voted for you yeah I'm sorry for what happened yeah, i don't too. know why that happened but you were incredible Iconic. Iconic um, queen. There's a lot of... Bow down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, in public housing, you can make sure that you bake in energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is something that I know is happening in Toronto, which is great. Nice. Um, what else can governments do? You can make your government carbon neutral. Which no. means that you you make so much energy... <laughs> Or you make so much green energy that, like, yeah, like sort of, like, it is, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> uh, uh, look it up. What's this? Is the cider talking now? Yeah, exactly. Jeez, Kiki. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. It's all Kiki's fault. What else did I say? Um, we have like issues with deforestation globally right now, so making sure that we're planting lots of trees. Those yeah. work as a carbon sink, even though sometimes they don't, but we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> um, what else can governments While you're at do? It, you can grow your armpit hair out, and uh, oh, that's eat, like a tree. Um, just kidding. Eat less meat. Oh, uh, use um, toothbrushes that are. Um, <laughs> Uh, nylon bristles and bamboo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are we talking how people can reduce? No, now now we're talking about that. But I was just like, are we talking about the carbon pri- the carbon pricing stuff helps uh, governments with that ten percent? What is it? The part of the the carbon the money from the that the government makes from the carbon tax like it goes into 10% of it goes into they invest in, in like s- they invest in small businesses in the in the backstop provinces in other provinces like Alberta for example um they're investing in green energy products and they've had success nice. with that and in Ontario they were doing that actually prior to Doug Ford scrapping it haha mm-hmm. and so that manifested as rebates for people that bought electric vehicles right um it I also know someone that happened that yeah, yeah it also dollars he got I know it was amazing it yeah. also manifested as like um free like nest thermostats for people and like there oh, was our wow. eco v thermostats like they basically helped you retrofit your home so it could become more energy efficient nice so that's a big thing that you could do as a government talk to us about okay so we've now taken this podcast even though it, oh sorry yeah there was one other thing yeah. that i remembered that i think is really worth mentioning yeah. too which is that in alberta where the oil industry is um in decline it's literally what just gonna ask about yeah not not because of justin trudeau as many people would have you believe um but because oil just generally is just not a thing really that people want it's a finite resource it's a finite resource (laughs) and also just you know there's a lot of politics around it that make it complicated and difficult and Mm -hmm. drive the price of it down Mm -hmm. shout out to opec shout out to saudi arabia (laughs) (laughs) so folks we love saudi arabia we we do we folks oh god (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'm not on the record. This is now a Donald Trump impressions podcast. Uh, you heard it here first. Planes are complicated. <laughs> Planes are very complicated. They're very complicated. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in Alberta, they're doing like a lot of retraining and they're um, helping people that have been laid off by the oil industry start to work in the renewable energy industry. Nice. Yeah. And That's so, great. So the real like kind of positive tailspin on all of this is that like, yeah, things are going to change, but the, I, the, the sort of driving idea behind carbon pricing is that like it incense and innovate or incense people to innovate. So it creates new sectors in the workplace. So if you're worried that jobs are going to be lost, jobs are also going to be created. And that's mm-hmm. certainly true in BC. That's leading the country in um, clean job growth mm-hmm. and has been for the last five years. Shout and out to BC. Shout out to BC. You've had a carbon tax for 10 years. Yeah. And it's going good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, like, that was kind of my next question. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it should, should be something that is addressed, which is that, you know, when, like, this podcast is now a 
it, we're, we're taking a federal lens on things, even though we're very Ontario-centric. Sure. Um, you know, uh, this necessarily affects um, people um, disproportionately in provinces like Saskatchewan and Alberta who are, like, energy production yeah. uh, places. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, what a little bit more about what those provinces can expect to see, um, like what kind of hope is there for these people that like have been laid off by the oil sector, not necessarily because of this carbon tax even. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in, in Saskatchewan and Manitoba, the carbon tax hasn't even come into effect yet. So right. I feel like they talk about Shout it as if it's already Mr. like, Pallister, yeah. who was in Costa Rica. Did you see that? I did. This- this guy got, like, fucking busted because he was in Costa Rica, mm. but he was, like, posting on Twitter, like, pictures of, like, the snow. Like, there was a huge snowfall while he was there. That's so fucking And funny. everyone was like, fuck off, dude. Homie flip-flop. Yeah. That's so funny. Anyway, sorry. Um, no, he originally was, like, our, our fighter, but anyway, it's so long. R.I.P. It's not worth talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyway. So what can those what can those people expect to see more more green jobs more more jobs in the green energy industry? Um, That's certainly true in Alberta right now. I mean, my one concern about Alberta, where the carbon price I I think is really cool. So what they're doing is they're combining a hard cap on industry with a tax on emissions. A hard so, cap is what? Uh, a hard cap is you can emit up to a certain point, and then after you cross that threshold, you have to pay. Like, have a lot to more? pay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, so... They're doing the hard cap combined with what? Combined with a tax on emissions like the one that we have in Ontario now that's coming into effect, I should say. And what they're doing with the revenue is really cool, which is that, like, they're giving a rebate to low-income earners and rural dwellers in Alberta, and everybody else gets to sort of enjoy this sort of new investment in green technology and clean tech and from the federal transit. Government? No, it's not from the federal government. It's from the Alberta government. Oh, nice. So Rachel Notley put this in place. Thank you. Yes. So Next. the concern that I have about this is that it's working and it's great and people like it. Mm-hmm. As, well, some people like it. Not everybody likes it. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Um, but it is a, it's an effective policy. Yeah. Um, and actually an article just came out last week saying that it had already contributed to reducing emissions in Alberta, which is great. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Jason Kenney wins, they'll probably end up with the federal backstop and he'll certainly launch. Which, He's, which means that he will stop this program that they've done. He'll stop the program that they've done. And the f- the federal government will impose yes, what they have what they imposed have. in Ontario and unless the federal government's not reelected, but let's not think about oh, that. Dark. Oh God. Dark times. Now, anyway. I guess like the last thing I would like to say mm-hmm. on this is, I love I a huge carbon pricing stand. Okay, like I <laughs> I literally worked for this like organization that Molly works for uh, like <laughs> four years ago but um like I think it's a really good uh, important thing but one thing that seems I, I I think you know the price being passed on to consumers um is the like it it's like the only way you can change behavior mm-hmm. but then like it just feels like so with the rebate which is like not that much money it just feels so, like, irritating that, like, people that, like, are minimum wage earners, like, basically have to take the brunt, like, of, like, so much of, you know, this change. Like, 
um, you know, more money for products and services is going to disproportionately affect low-income earners. So what would be a, like, your personal or, I don't know, like, your company or your organization or any anyone's like what what is a good like how do we address that problem right like because like for a rich person or like somebody that makes like i don't know a million dollars a year or like fifty thousand dollars a year or no, no that's not a right hundred thousand dollars a year <laughs> i was like damn <laughs> but someone for someone who makes a hundred thousand dollars a year uh for example even like they are going to be more less affected by than somebody who makes forty thousand, twenty five thousand dollars a year. Like, what? How do we? How do we fix that? I have two points to make okay. on that. Okay. The first one is that um, this is a progressive tax, and it's it's not technically a progressive tax, but it is because wealthier people emit more carbon. It's just a proven thing. So if you're a wealthy person, you tend to live in a bigger house, which costs more to heat. You tend to drive more cars. You tend to... Or cars at all. (laughs) Or cars at all. Exactly. Um, You tend to buy more exotic stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. So that's something that we know. The rebate is static. So everybody gets the exact same amount Mm -hmm. back depending on who they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the gap between a low income earner, what they spend on the carbon price and what they get back is much, much wider than what a higher income person spends. In fact, like most of the highest income people in our study that we did end up paying a little bit more than what they got back in a rebate. Right. Whereas lower income people get back more quite a lot more. Right. Because um, they take the bus or Yeah, they take the bus like or they live in a bike. they live in a building where uh, their landlord covers their heating mm-hmm. um, or their yes. electricity. Yeah. Exactly. So they're they're not, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with that additional mm-hmm. cost. Um, that being said Yeah, it is great. It's great that that's the case. Um, and I think that that would be great. I think that it's obviously very important to take those people into consideration and we don't want to put um, undue costs or difficulty on their backs, especially if, like, they're already not emitting that much carbon. Like, to be honest with you, like, lower-income people are really not the problem when it comes to emissions. Right, right. And so... Okay, um, that makes sense. If we were to, you know, add any kind of additional policy measures, I would say, like, there's a top-up for rural dwellers. I would give a top-up for the lowest-income Canadians. Mm-hmm. Also, the rebate, or the tax only applies if you pay your tax. Right. So if you're somebody that... If if you don't make enough money to... Uh... No, wait, that's wrong. Delete that. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> because that's not true. You definitely have to pay for goods and services that have the tax. Right. <laughs> Edit that out. Right, but, 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 but paying your taxes is different than, like, like filing your taxes, mm-hmm. which, like, people that make under, like, $25,000 a year, like, they don't pay tax at the end of the year. They usually yeah. get, a like, a large... Um, they get, like, money from the government because they're like, oh, shit, you didn't make enough to pay tax. Yeah. And you paid income tax when you, like, did your, so unless you, you have precarious work. If but. you were eligible to file your taxes, you can get your rebate no nice. matter what you made. Nice. And your rebate will be the same as the wealthiest member of society's rebate. It right. does not change. It's not, um, what's it called? It's not contingent on income. What's it called when it means tested? Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, um, I love this, um, <laughs> but I don't know how long we've been talking about carbon pricing, but sorry, I need, but... like, a mouthwash now, um, so we're gonna do fuck, kill, marry, um, <laughs> with, uh, policy. 
Amazing. Um, so, uh, Molly, fuck, kill, Mary, or Chuck, fuck, Mary. What's it? What's a good? What's like the best name for this? I think Chuck, fuck, Mary is nice. Okay, Chuck, fuck, Mary. I love a good rhyme. Okay, Chuck, fuck, Mary. Um, so we we've done this segment with like um, p- powerful maniacs. We we I don't remember who we did, but I loved that one. Yeah, um, I remember that episode very well. Um, and BB, he we, was a baby. Yeah, I know, right? Um. Uh, and then we did them with Canadian party leaders, mm-hmm. uh, federal party leaders. So this week we're going to do it with um, really, t- like, just neoconservative policy. <laughs> um, so we've got for-profit prisons. That is that is prisons that make money from <laughs> from having people in them. Um, either through, like, wonder, like w- uh, you know, labor or uh, you know, whatever. Um, drones. Uh, what do drones do, Molly? They, like, shoot they people kill, down. They kill people, like, relatively, well, not indiscriminately, but, like, without any consequence to the person that launched because somebody that is in like the u.s is operating the drone and they're operating the drone in like the middle east <laughs> or we know how much i don't like these we love drones folks. as a deontologist yeah we <laughs> folks we live them yeah. and then the final um the final policy uh we are going to chuck fuck or marry is austerity which basically means a uh, blanket cutting of all social services health care education blah 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 um that has been used a lot in like latin america and other countries where the imf has been asked to step in england <laughs> <laughs> margaret thatcher oh thank you thank, oh, thank you. you thank you so much um so basically yeah this happens often when uh, like a country has had like a lot of debt and uh, the International Monetary Fund has stepped in, and they do the budget for the country, and they and like, like uh, un- disproportionately in like a major way affects poor people who didn't do any of the debt causing they did in the first nothing place. Nothing wrong. Okay, so Molly, <laughs> fuck, I ha- Chuck, fuck, Mary, for-profit prisons, drones, or austerity. So Chuck is the one I hate most. Yeah. Christ, this is hard. Yeah. Um, oh no. I know, like, I, I actually didn't think about this. Like, when I, I, I was like, let's do unpopular ones. And then I was there's like, like, then I have to choose good things. <laughs> there's two that are technically good. Um, I guess I would, like, chuck for-profit prisons. Okay. <laughs> I think I would fuck drones because it sounds like it's something like external that like I couldn't like you know like yeah. someone just pushes a button and something happens which, and I don't have to live with the consequences and I don't have to live with the consequences yeah, yeah. which like sounds appealing yeah to me yeah like, but if you married the drone then you'd have to live with the then consequences. I'd have to live with the consequences <laughs> okay, of sense. the drone yeah. and then I guess I would marry austerity because I wouldn't have to see it that much <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dark okay 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 um what about you that- I never thought about this until like this very second. I know we really like how didn't, difficult this would be. Okay, we didn't think um, that. so um, Jake, Chuck, fuck, Mary. <laughs> um, I would chuck. Uh, I would chuck austerity. Fuck austerity. I'm chucking it. Damn. <laughs> um, I would fuck. Uh, I would fuck. Oh my god! I would fuck. 
prison. Drones? No. <laughs> I would fuck drones. You no, wouldn't. no. I would fuck for-profit prisons. Because <laughs> then maybe, like, maybe they wouldn't have to, like, last if I just, if I just fucked them. Like, they wouldn't be, like, a thing anymore. And then I guess I would marry drones. You want to marry a drone? I'm going to marry... Oh, my God, because I actually read this book. <laughs> I read a, um, a, a book um, called The Angel of History, um, and it's about, um, it's about a, uh, a gay American man living in San Francisco who is of Syrian descent, and, um, like, one part of the book, he, like, dreams that he is a drone and falls in love with, like, a boy, uh, in Iraq, and, um, like, the drone is, like, personified in this dream, and, yeah, that's why I would marry a drone. That's, like, it's not a rational response. It sounds romantic. (laughs) Me and the drone, we're gonna run away together. Inexplicably drawn to each other. Yeah. Okay, well, that was great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right, so, um, that's it for us for this week's, uh, this month's episode so far, because we haven't put an episode in four weeks. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, we, you know, Molly and I, and Kate, I think I can speak for Kate in this context. Uh, we'd like you to follow us on social media. True. We're at Undecided Pod on uh, Twitter. We're at Undecided Podcast on Instagram, and we're at Undecided Pod on Facebook. Tell us what you thought. Um, uh, you can like you know give us your con- your opinions on our controversial answers to this horrible Chuck Fuck Mary. Christ, uh, you know, engage in a conversation with us. That's what politics is about. Um, and um, oh yeah, don't forget to file for your carbon rebate when you file your taxes. Don't you dare forget. Don't Line forget item four four nine. Be like, hey yo, I'm owed this rebate. All right, and I'm gonna buy a nest. <laughs> Shout out to Nest. Uh, any closing words, Malls? Um. Oh my god, I forgot to ask you how you are. Oh, And yeah. we really need to, we need this, this needs to be part of the Do podcast. you want me to include this? Yeah. Okay, so how I How are you? I get harassed every single day by strange men on the internet. Um, and because, because of the, because of your job, Yes, mostly. because of my job, mostly. <laughs> no, primarily, mainly 100% because of my job. <laughs> mainly. Except for today. Yeah. So I got this really cute message in response to a story I made about seven different men insulting me online today. Wonderful. This is from a it. This is from a young man I met in my second year of university about... You know how The Daily Show does a moment of zen? Yeah. This is our moment of this rage. This is our moment of rage so just just strap in for this yeah fun put your fun content put your seatbelt on so this guy felt the need to message me this you seem to have this kind of militant feminist vibe (laughs) (laughs) i do he's right maybe chill for a second and collect yourself maybe much love i think we met at a bar one time (laughs) but seriously not everything is a war just chill enjoy your life not everyone is an opponent Take a selfie. Go breathe the fresh air. Start advocating for people who are in a worse situation than you are. Much love. <laughs> so much love. I think much love was said I think three he times. repeated much love three times. He must really love you. He really loves me. He Is loves this his pickup line? He loves me enough to be repugnantly misogynistic towards me. I can't myself. believe that the response... Wait, read him your response. Oh, yeah. I said something sassy back. I said... 
You seem to be a condescending douchebag. <laughs> I don't really care if my feminism We're a bothers made in you. Heaven. I noticed that you saw several posts of me being harassed by men, and your reaction to it was that I'm too sensitive. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't hold this opinion if I hadn't been assaulted, abused, and harassed throughout my life. Food for thought. I'll do you a favor and block you so you don't have to see my content anymore. Fuck you, you little bitch. Bye-bye, peanut. I love it when these guys are just, like, fucking horrified that you, like, spend any time. Even, like, even in implication, which is what those, like, those screenshots of those guys, like, you know, harassing you were. An implication that you don't like men generally. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, test one, two. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're going to leave things for this week. Thank you for Thanks, listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it was a little bit shocking for some to learn that I had when I was younger uh, consumed marijuana.